0: Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express Podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well.
1: Welcome back, guys. Uh, Sorry for the delay in some of our productions here. Life happens and uh, life's hit a few of us. And as you see, we couldn't even get the whole crew in here because just stuff's going on. And um, we wanted to still get in here and give you guys kind of our thoughts on the season, the thoughts on some of the players. And uh, we also have a special little tidbit on another Purdue sports that one of us actually attended recently. So, uh, but first off, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Martin Vintage. Uh, Awesome t-shirts, vintage t-shirts, old school like bowl games that Purdue's gone to in the past. Awesome t shirts. They're very comfortable. A lot use of code... logos from the 20s when Russ was there. Yeah, that I helped design. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, use code BXP at checkout for 10% off. Also, follow them on socials. They just released a, a t shirt that they're doing a, a pre sale on. Uh, that's pretty cool. So go check them out over there. CBB Analytics uh, also sponsoring us, giving us a premier membership to check out all things stats, you know, all the things Frank loves. And, you know, some of us try to figure out and, and compute in our tiny little brains. But uh, you can go and sign up for just a Purdue membership or just whatever school you'd like to check out. And then if you want to step it up, you can you can get a conference or get all college basketball. It's created by somebody that has worked in the basketball industry and creates it for coaches to study other teams. So it's very thorough, a lot of percentages and percentiles and and just everything you can think of, it's got their stat-wise. So go check them out. And Cincy Blitzboards, our longest standing sponsor. Check them out on Twitter. Uh, they will work on you on designs. You can see Dylan's in the background. Mine's also behind me. here. Oh, by the shoulder. There we go. Uh, they'll, they'll work with you on designs. Uh, they're very high integrity as they they kept the design for mine unflawed, despite the guy's efforts to put things in there about me being old. We tried. So very very good design. They shipped it immaculately. I'm uh, pretty sure they could have dropped it off a 10-story building and it would have not been damaged. That's how good they packaged These things stuff. are like they're not heavy to carry around, but they're heavy duty. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, man, they're built real well. A good zombie weapon if something happens. You I don't know wood,
2: breaks. but like I feel like mahogany is a good wood, but I don't think they're made out of mahogany, but it feels like it.
1: Mm-hmm. I think you just made that up, but yeah, that works. Yeah, that works sure, for yeah. sure. I took wood shop in high school. I know what I'm talking about. So, so as I alluded to at the beginning, uh, there's another uh, sport that we've been following, especially one of us uh, has been following particularly closely. And if you aren't aware, Purdue has a hockey team. You might not know it because it's not a scholarship program. It's a club program. So it's ran by students and uh, participated by students that just love the game of hockey, love playing sports, love competition, because there's no scholarship in it for them. And, you know, it's not the glory and the glamorous Purdue football or Purdue basketball program. But, uh, you know, Dylan, you got to see them up close and see them in action. And what were your thoughts, man? What did you man, get to see? Who did you get to talk to?
2: It was so much fun. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a hockey guy spent a few years in the federal hockey league, uh, back in the heyday. Uh, so I've like spent a good amount of time in my life around hockey, the hockey world. And so I learned that they were coming to Oxford, Miami university, which is like a good 35 minutes from my house. So I had to go and I watched them play uh, Pitt of Johnstown. I believe the other team was called didn't matter. They were terrible because the boilers wiped the floor at them scored a touchdown and then some on those fools. Anyway, uh coach just to matt, be clear you
1: mean touchdown is in how many goals they scored you don't are you actually well, they scored sport? seven so okay All right. like, yeah gotcha. six, i just wanted to make yeah. sure you weren't like so out of touch with hockey that yeah. you're like, hey, hey, like
0: sugar coating anything too it's just like doesn't matter they were terrible they were they, they were, were
1: okay. so bad and let me yeah. tell you
2: those kids are are guys great trash talks they can talk trash with the best of them very impressed by that uh but no matt had me out uh, it was a great time, had a few other Purdue faithful out there. Uh, I think I was one of four, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, Pitt of Johnstown had the same type of thing going on, but I-, I learned a lot about the guys talking to the coaches, head coach, Dave, uh, coach Matt and coach Mike, uh, coach Mike and I were in the federal league at the same time. So that was pretty cool to talk to him about some memories from those days. Uh, these kids work their ass off, not only on the ice, but off the ice. They do all their own fundraising, all the jerseys you see them wear that are sick. They raise the money for all of it, um, whether they they sold the gold jerseys with the train tracks. So I get mine this week. Can't wait. Uh, so these kids, like you said, it's not a scholarship thing. They're strictly playing because they love the game and it shows on the ice. Uh, they're a great team. In some incredible passes, some incredible shots, uh, well coached. Um, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was really fun hockey to watch and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Kane, the goalie who was on the bench that night, uh, who's going to be on, I'm doing a show with him and Ben Toby, uh, Wednesday tomorrow night, it'll be pre-recorded. We'll release it later this week. Uh, and this puck almost got me in the dome, but Kane saved my life. So shout out to Kane. He deflected it, hit the glass instead of me. So I'm not showing up with a black eye or something um, not that we'd but, see it with the shades, but yeah. exactly you know maybe you know, I don't know who knows uh but anyway, head coach Dave uh the assistant coach uh Matt and Mike that I met, they're awesome. The kids are awesome uh like I said, just a great great group of guys they play for the love of the game uh and it was fun to see they, they're having fun. I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from uh two big takeaways. They play because they love hockey and they have a ton of fun and then on top of that, they they run the program besides Dave, the head coach. These kids put in time and effort behind the scenes to to have what they have as an equipment uh, and stuff like that. And they travel all over the states like it's not just they stay around Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky. They go everywhere. So it was it was really fun to learn about it. A um, uh, little funny story uh i'm talking to matt and one of uh my well, it was before i was talking to matt one of the kids that was working there from miami was like are you with the hockey team or are you running socials and i was like yeah yeah no i am yeah for sure and so uh, they kind of didn't ask questions when i was just walking around willy-nilly so that was fun uh they they played at the uh, ice arena here or there in oxford which is a beautiful arena i don't even think it's 10 years old yet uh so it was a lot of fun man and and those kids they they the, what I learned of how much work they put into it, um, it, it meant even more. So I encourage um, alumni, fans, if you're ever on campus, students especially, if you're ever on campus and they're home or they're close by, please go watch them play. Those kids work their asses off, and they deserve the, the praise. They deserve the support. And uh, hopefully one day Purdue will be a Big Ten hockey school and uh and which i think is you know what what they want which which is what i want is just a fan so uh in any way you're connected to purdue fandom alumni current student go support the hockey team they deserve it they work their tails off and they deserve every ounce of support they get and i will sing their praises until
1: the day i die yeah we've got a supporter in the comments the noodle said I can yeah, he attest was there. To all of this we had a blast watching them play at miami the day after dylan was there so i yeah, know i definitely. didn't get to
2: meet the noodle and his and his and his badass son that kid's the best uh wish i could have seen those guys but that sunday the game was like 11 and i slept in i'm not gonna lie all right
1: <laughs> there you go there you go well, 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 i uh, uh
0: i i'm 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 really sad i won't be able to uh join you uh in this interview tomorrow um but i'm really excited to hear it i'm uh, yeah. really excited to to go back and listen to it and produce it and uh, it's definitely not one uh, our listeners are going to want to miss for sure
2: yeah ben ben and kane are great dudes i've gotten a text with them and kane's uh from moose jaw saskatchewan doesn't get much more canadian than that uh, no it doesn't uh, it Mr. definitely does not, does not. talk about you're from moose jaw saskatchewan i love saying it i could say it all day
0: See, it doesn't really, sound real
2: it doesn't it sounds well canada i would i love canada big canada hey zach edie canadian yeah. kane canadian we got some great canadians in the purdue athletic yeah. you Can
1: love you... saying Saskatchewan, but you make fun of saying Louisville. Gotcha. Louisville, well,
2: okay. like yeah. Louisville, Saskatchewan, you know, whatever.
1: So yeah, uh, make sure you go check that out tomorrow, guys. Uh, support the hockey program by seeing them play, but also go check that out tomorrow uh, with their interview with Dylan. So we've also had a lot of basketball played recently. Ooh, I think so. Uh, pretty big sport. We're actually pretty good at it, uh, believe it or not. You know, I think we're maybe number two in the country. So I'd say that's we're doing something right there. And we've had a lot of games since we last talked, so instead of talking about specific games and breaking those down and those performances, Frank's going to kind of run us through the roster, and we're going to talk about certain players, at least rotational players, and what their impact has been this season, and what maybe they need to work on uh, for us to be successful through February and March, and hopefully into April. So, Frank, real quick, Vinny
2: Sutherland liked the tweet that we went live, so Vinny, come on the pod with Stu, will you? Jeez yeah it would be great <laughs> have uh, your people call our people yeah anyway sorry go ahead
0: vinny vinny open invitation uh possibly stay tuned as well for uh for some other football personnel uh who may be uh may be joining us as a surprise guest definitely uh, keep your keep your eyes uh eyes open for that one yeah so uh we're gonna start alphabetically we're gonna work our way through um but let's start with Braden smith um you know he's a guy who we had a lot of hopes for in the off season we felt like he was going to take a step uh from what we saw as a freshman he played a lot of minutes as a freshman over 30 minutes per game uh played fairly well all things considered um you know he had had some issues there kind of toward the end of the season um as we saw his uh yesterday his his family was harassed by a Purdue fan which is crazy absolutely crazy for me it's to insane. think about yeah I, would,
2: I real quick that that really that got me, cause, and I tweeted about it. If you're that fan and you happen to be watching this, why? I hope you're not watching this. Take all your Purdue stuff, send it to Goodwill. Never show your face again. You are the worst. Okay, all right, done. Yeah, because yeah. we talk
1: about. I want to say one more thing too. We talk about sure. on here, and we've mentioned it before that as upset as you get as fans, and as much as we wear loss as fans, nobody wears it more than the guys in that locker room. Oh yeah, so so that's really—it's almost selfish of you to have that attitude towards them because you're saying my emotions are more important than yours. So I'm going to attack you and the way you performed, even though they're the ones that have to wear that loss. Brain's the one that's got to wear that chip on his shoulder and try to prove people wrong, while you go and go home and sit on your couch and watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, Yeah,
2: I got me fired up when I saw the video. Yeah, uh,
0: if someone knocked my hat off in that scenario, I'm not sure I could keep my cool. Oh, good for, for Braden. If and, I if, and if I were in Braden and his, shoes,
2: I would have knocked that dude to his feet. No. And for him
0: and his family to respond to that with the mentality of, okay, well, let's just get better. Like, whew, you good, get for good, good for them. Knock him that. to
2: his feet. I make sense, I swear. <laughs>
0: I'll
2: knock uh, you to your feet.
0: So let's uh let's talk about what Braden's done well so far this season. Um, you know, I'm looking at some of his numbers right now, courtesy of CBB Analytics. He shot the ball well uh, 43% for almost 44% from three. Uh, what's his true shooting percentage? Let's find that here. You know, CBB analytics does such a great job with C- providing C- so C- many numbers that, uh, sometimes uh, I struggle to find the one that I need. 57 as a guy percent. who's
2: bad at numbers. I love their website.
0: Yeah. 50, 57% true shooting, uh, which is in the 77th percentile for anyone who doesn't know true shooting is a metric that incorporates two points, three points and free throws. Uh, um, so, yeah. Um, Another interesting thing he stands out in is he's in the 94th or I'm sorry 97th percentile in assist to usage ratio. Um he's in the 99th percentile in assist percentage and assist per 100 possessions. He's at 12.7 assist per 100 possessions. Um what hasn't he done well? Obviously I think uh the turnovers have been an issue. A lot of those are, you know, I would say not his fault. Um you know, 19.8% turnover percentage. So he's almost, almost double his assist percentage, you know, or half his assist percentage, uh, and with respect to turnovers. But honestly, I think that's something that we kind of may just have to live with. Um, he'll make some really crazy passes and he'll make some passes that not many guys in the country can make. And sometimes he'll attempt those and, and turn the ball over. Uh, and honestly, I think that that's just something that, that, that we just live with. And I'm honestly okay with, um, Russ, what's your, What's your take?
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I'm upset with anything. Braden's really brought to the table this year at all. I mean, he's he's taken a step forward, and even though he's obviously not getting the national respect uh, with the Bob Cousy Final Ten or Ten finalists, whatever that were posted recently, he was not on there. Even though I can't think of ten guards I'd take over him to Same. run point guard for our team, he's been he's been very efficient. Um, you know, yes, we've had turnover issues, but he scored the ball at a much more efficient and higher rate this year, like you mentioned. And I think that we're going to see him really turn it on come March. I think that he's, he's paced himself a little bit. I don't think you've seen him necessarily get burned out. He responds to bad performances, but he does not. I mean, he still has that fire. It's not like his freshman year when you see him start to wane towards the end of January and you can see the, the wear and tear of, the big 10 season kind of getting to him because as was mentioned in that recent, if you've watched, there's a clip that's out on a big 10 journey that was done on him. That's where we saw that it was mentioned that his, his father got his hat knocked off. It was mentioned that there was two guys that started every, every game last year and neither one of them was named Zach Eady. It was Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer. So Braden Smith also was coming off an injury last season, last off season. So he's got, the full offseason between his freshman and sophomore year coming into this year, he is ready to go. He's got the chip on his shoulder. He's got the fire. He's playing a lot smarter. He's not getting himself in those positions where he loses himself one outlet or one pass, and that's what caused a lot of turnovers. The turnovers he has now are not the same bad turnovers he had last year, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it's, a, it's more of a good defensive play and a good read that he's made and not something where he's got himself in a bad situation like he did last year.
0: And I think one thing that really stands out to me uh when look going back and watching film from last season and looking at this season has been his patience. Um he gets double-teamed, he gets blitzed, he get, he gets hedged off of ball screens, and he just stays calm. Like he doesn't panic, he's just like, I'm gonna hang out here, I'm just gonna kind of drag this out for a second. Yeah, two guys are guarding me. Oh, boom, there's a wide open pass, like whips it behind his back, wide open three, or he finds Edie in the paint. Like his his patience and ability to stay calm under high pressure situations has has grown pretty substantially, but I think you know he does have two Ken bomb Ken Palm MVPs under his belt this season. But I think the thing you know that he's grown in the most is you know he kind of had two poor shooting games. You know against Penn State he had six points, um, against IU he only had five, was zero for six from three. But in those games he had eleven assists against Penn State, nine against Indiana. So I think he's realizing that like while yes he's shown that he can score. Uh, I don't think that's a question in anyone's mind. He is improved in that kind of distributor role that we saw him take on last season. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see the guy have a triple double before the end of the season. I mean, he's flirted with it several times now. Um, it's going to be really hard for me, Russ Dylan, to uh, to actually come up with a grade. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him a I'm I'm gonna give him an A minus just because of the turnovers. It's not the only only bad thing I can say.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say probably
0: a a minus. Dylan, what say you?
1: Yeah, I mean a minus. Kid's pretty good ball.
0: Yeah, and I feel bad giving him the minus on there, but no. But like you said,
2: the turnover turnovers are a big thing, big deal in basketball. You can't turn over the ball. You got to keep it on your end. And when you turn it over, it's got to be you know addressed.
0: And there are some fascinating examples throughout basketball history of teams that got better. When they committed more turnovers because they started going for higher risk, higher reward plays. So,
2: I do like uh, when uh, when the ball is on the ground. When Zach Eady went for it. When Zach, oh God, I love it. Just best player, national player of the year, diving on the ground to get a loose ball. Nothing gets me more hyped. Maybe a dunk. A dunk gets me more hyped. But th- that's his close second.
0: I think one other one other area Braden could improve in is just uh, scoring at the rim. Is at the rim field goal percentage forty seven percent this season. That's in the twentieth percentile, um, which is crazy because it doesn't seem like it's been that bad. It seems like he's actually really good at scoring at the rim. Maybe that was something we just didn't see a lot last season. But um, like, if I'm really going to nitpick and just dig through the numbers and look for anything that he can improve on, that's one one other area. So um, again, going alphabetically uh, brings us to Caleb first. Russ, I'll let you kick us off. What do you think about first this season?
1: The elf, right? Yeah. Buddy, yeah. buddy, the elf. Um, You know, he's, he's a hard one. I don't know how we're even really going to grade him because he's somebody that's, you know, obviously taking a step back in minutes this year. But I've never been really upset with what he gives us when he is on the court. You know, he gives us – he's very high energy. He is one of those guys that, you know, Painter talks about instead of getting upset when you're having 8 to 12 minutes a game, Come in and make an impact and play all out because you know you're gonna get somebody coming in for you. So don't pace yourself. Don't try to be patient. Don't get in there and, and affect the game and be involved and, and try to increase those minutes. And he's somebody that I hope sticks around till next year. You know, this team could look very different next year. Obviously it will with without Edie, without Gills, without Morton, but he's somebody that I think could really explode next year if he gets if he sticks around and gets a starting job. But he's, you know, he's been timely. He's been efficient. He hasn't come in, and there's some other people we might talk about that come in off the bench and and make mistakes. I don't feel like he comes in and makes mistakes. You know, even in the games where he doesn't have a huge impact, he's not hurting the team. He's not hurting what's going on on the court. So, I've I've been pleased with him. I just wish we could see more of him.
0: Yeah, it it is hard to grade him just because we have seen, you know, him take on a a more limited role. Um, You know, it's it's, it's gotta be tough for him. And it's not that, you know, painter always talks about It's not that Caleb first has done anything wrong. It's just, you know, when you've got a front court as stacked as Purdue has right now, it's just going to be hard to find minutes. Um, you know, one thing I think he's done really well is he's, he's defended really, really well this season. Uh, probably better than honestly than, than I can remember. Um, there, there's a play that I always think of, um, uh, where when we played Nebraska and he was defending rink mast and, you know, Nebraska was running the sort of uh, pin down into a handoff, also known as Chicago action, and Mass kept slipping to the basket. And he just walled up, like just put his hands up and just turned into a wall. And like rink Mass wasn't going anywhere. And it was very clear that like the, the play design was for rink Mass to slip it and for Tominaga to hit him on the roll. And first was just like, nope, I'm hanging out right here. And it completely blew up that play. Um so that's, I mean, that he he does the things that you know don't that that's never going to show up on a stat sheet. It's never going to show up in a box score. He does those things. He rebounds really well. I mean, he's in the 90th percentile in rebounds per 100 possession. Um, he's in the 70th percentile in offensive rebounds for 100 per 100 possessions, and the 85th percentile in defensive rebound percentage. Not the most efficient scorer. Um, you know, only 54% true shooting, which is in the 40th percentile. Um, you know, that he he he's missed some bunnies this season. It, it it it's unfortunate. He's missed some easy shots at the rim. Um, you know, there's one uh, particularly against Michigan where he just like the ball just slipped out of his hand as he went up for uh, an easy layup in transition and you know, every time he comes into the game, he's the one guy I'm like, "Come on, man. Like I just like do something good for." It. Like like cuz I just feel like he there's maybe a a shot to his confidence right now. Um, and I can think about like some major like three-pointers that he's hit that have been like huge in his career. I can think about the, the Michigan state game last season where he on that horns uh, twist action, like cleared out and hit a wide open three with like less than a minute to go in that game. Think about the North Carolina game, his freshman year where he hit the clutch three to seal that game. Um, you know, the, we, we haven't seen that from him. He's only shooting 22% um, this season from three on a very low volume. Um, this isn't, you know, th- this is, this is a tough, a tough grade. Um, I think all things considered, I think the fact that he is playing a limited role, he's playing limited minutes. Um, you know, he he goes out there and he he does give a hundred percent. He is turning the ball over at a pretty high rate, about twenty-two and a half turnover percentage, which is the highest we've ever seen. Um, but you know, again, that's inflated by the fact that he just doesn't play a lot of minutes. I think when you factor all those things together, I think I think a B is a reasonable grade. But open to having my mind changed as well.
1: Don, you want to go next?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it goes to show the depth that this team has. And how many, I think, how many clubs would love to have a guy like Caleb first in their starting five? But yet, Purdue has them and we have incredible depth. And, you know, if a guy gets in foul trouble, you know that we got a guy like him to come in and cover, which is a good thing, good problem, good thing to have. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Caleb first. But yeah, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, the depth that, that this team has
1: yeah Dylan you're over there sounding like Izzo and that's kind of the direction I was going to go that I don't you know, know if you want to
2: compliment or you,
1: <laughs> you want to hear uh you <laughs> hear somebody talk about first go back to last year and Izzo's post-game comments I think it was in the game at Michigan State where Izzo you know it's not it's not often that opposing coach goes in on a player oh. at the level he did complimenting Caleb first yep. when Caleb first didn't even want like our top options You know, it's one thing for somebody to comment, Zach Eady or Braid Smith or Fletcher Lawyer after a game where they they had a big game. But he mentioned how well Izzo is that that is uh, mentioned how well Painter has built this program and how guys play roles when they could go somewhere else and be a star. And he mentioned particularly Caleb first and the impact that he has when he's on the court and how he could start for 95 percent of the programs out there but he's content playing the role at Purdue because Purdue wants to build something and they want to break through and get that final four and get that national championship. And so he's willing to stick it out to try to be a part of that history. Yeah. And he is somebody like Dylan said that, you know, I can see his number getting called in February, in March, in a, in a big moment. And if he has to play those big minutes, because somebody yeah. like an Edie or a, a Trey Kaufman gets in foul trouble. I'm, I'm very comfortable with him being out there in that role. He's, he's very talented. Like I said, he's not, the kind of guy that he comes in off the bench, and you're like, "Oh man, when are they going to put Edie back in? Where are they going to put Kaufman Rand back in?" It's you're, you're excited because you're like, "Okay, let's go." Because you know him and somebody else will talk about probably next or soon. Here, Camden Heidi, when they come in, they play up tempo as well. Like it's it's not like it. They come in and they manage the game until the, the A team gets back in there. They run it, and they have at many times have have lengthened leads, have grown leads, and. It's it's fun to see him on the court. I just it, it seems like he's switched roles with Trey kaufman Ren this year. And that last year, Trey kaufman Ren was kind of the he was the spell to eat. He was kind of the backup center, but this year, first is playing that role, and he's gone from eighteen to about ten minutes a game, and kaufman Ren's gone from eight to ten to about twenty minutes a game. So they've kind of flipped. But you know, I, I do I do love me some first. I would say about B B plus, maybe even for him. Thank you for the love there, OHIO, Paul. Yeah,
2: Eric, I, we're talking basketball, and I know that's a foreign language to you Ohio State fans, so maybe, you know, skip a few. I don't...
0: <laughs> Ouch. Eric, <laughs> you didn't mean that. You're welcome here. Anytime. I meant it. No, yeah. You're no, talking I, to the you guy you went to the hockey game Eric, with?
2: Eric knows I love him. No, I couldn't make it. The weather was terrible. Mm. I know, and I couldn't give Eric a big bear hug. It was, I was, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, so Purdue plays at the shoe next year, so we need to make that trip. Oh I mean, yeah,
0: Eric. I will be there for sure. Yeah, that we'll sounds like there. a great time. We'll be
2: there, Eric. Okay, back to back to the real well, sport. Russ. Back, Russ, back,
0: your, uh, your your alphabetic prediction capabilities are on point because you are right, and that Cam Heidi uh, is the guy up next. Um, you know, I I I've been very impressed with Cam Heidi this season. Um, he seems to have embraced his role. He seems to understand that his job is to come in and play defense and hit open shots and rebound and he does all of those things very very well um you know true shooting he's at 66 which is in the 91st percentile assist to turnover ratio 1.25 in the 82nd percentile he's shooting 48 percent from three as a freshman like what's what's not to like about the guy he he's one of the most entertaining players like his his lob jams are amazing they get the crowd hyped they are just demoralizing to the other team um he's actually in the 97th percentile in percent of points which come on fast break 24% of his points have come in transition on fast break shots uh this season which is really interesting stat uh, to look at. He's uh, in the 88th percentile in turnovers. He only turns the ball over 1.8 times per 100 possessions. Um, I mean, I, I honestly am not afraid to say that there's a there's a pretty high potential that he becomes uh, the, the kind of the face of of, of this Purdue team in, in the future. I mean, he has the intangibles. he has the athleticism, he has the the speed, he has the grit. Um, he's strong. He he doesn't play like a freshman, uh, and and you know he's got he's got Matt Painter teaching him how to play the game. He's got Matt Painter teaching him how to play defense. Um, I mean the 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 sky's the limit for this guy. Um, Russ what Russ what's your take?
1: Well yeah he doesn't play like a freshman because he's a redshirt right. He's in that next in that line of lineage of guys that has redshirt under Painter and when they come out they come out firing. And, you know, I I am very high on him. I don't know if I'm face of the program high on him because we do have a pretty big class coming in next year, and he's going to have to play with Braden and Fletch for the next two years as well. So, uh, But he he is – you know, I was going to ask what the percentile is on those wild dunks that you mentioned because he does come in, and he's kind of like, hey, the first – it's like I get excited when I see him on the floor, like, okay, what's going to happen? You know, there was a game – I can't remember which one of the games – that's because we've missed so many of them but there's a game where they asked what the best dunk in a game was and it was the it was the game where waddell had a dunk Edie had a dunk and i don't think that cam heidi's dunk even made the list but to me it was the most impressive because he can dunk through people the way that that caleb that uh, caleb that, uh, zach edie does like he can just go up from just outside the elbow when there's two defenders kind of there's a path there obviously from the dunk, but, a path that you wouldn't think he'd take and he just goes up and ducks it. And it's just like, he, he has springs in his shoes. I think he has the best vertical on the team, If I'm not. Yeah. Mistaken. Yeah, he does. I think they've mentioned him having the best vertical. So, and you see that when he plays.
0: Well, you know, and painter always talks about how, you know, if you are the fifth or sixth or seventh player on the team, like you're not going to get a whole lot of stuff run for you. Um, but in the Rutgers game, we did run a play, a, a, a sideline out or a yeah baseline out of bounds play for him. Where he basically sent him curling off of a double um, double stagger screen, and uh, he just went straight into the defender and just like slammed it on his head. I mean, it was crazy. And so, like that, just to me, Russ, and when I say like like the the face of the program, I mean I just see him becoming that guy who is able to just go get a bucket when they need one. Like right now, like Purdue, like Lance Jones maybe could be a contender for that, but like I just see him as that guy who is just like kind of like what Boo Boo he did to us. You know, is, is like becoming that guy because he's got the athleticism, he's got the the nose for the ball. He he's shown you know, his offensive uh, flashes. I think two years from now, like he's going to be a force to reckon with. Uh, it's interesting. Like I like I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of on off numbers. Uh, I think that there's a lot of context missing there. But it's interesting to look that you know when he is playing, Purdue's defensive rating is. 95.9. That means our opponents only average 0.95 points per possession when he's on the court, which is four points better than when he's off the court. So there is something there. Uh, at least there's some signal there to to indicate that his, his presence makes us a better defensive team. But, man, I mean, with with our personnel, with Zach Edy, with Lance Jones, Fletcher Lawyer, Braden Smith, if you can hang out in the corner and hit open threes, if you can defend and you can rebound, you're going to play. And he can do all three of those things really well. Um, I think given given his minutes, given his inexperience uh, coming into the season, I think I think he he deserves nothing less than an A, in my opinion.
1: Man, I thought I was going to break the break the mold and go with an A and and shock you guys. But you went with the same thing. So, yeah, I'd say A or even maybe even A plus and. Yeah, I, I just, like I said, I'm, I'm impressed with him. I hope he does well. Um, I hope he, he does get to that level where he is kind of the face of the program. I just, it's a stacked program. I mean, we have an embarrassment of riches, and it's it's not going to get much. I mean, it's it's hard to say it's not going to drop off when you lose the national player of the year. But, you know, we, I don't think this team drops off like other teams have when they lose somebody that's a national player of the year. And, and it's a big of impact players was Zach Gideas.
0: I was struggling with my hat there. Well, and we, crooked and it was bothering the hell out of me. <laughs> so I'm like, weird
2: we trying to mess with this.
0: We've heard it before. You know, we heard it when, when we lost Caleb Swanigan. How is, how will Purdue recover with the loss of Caleb Swanigan? How, and then, and then we lost the four seniors. We lost Matthias, Haas, Edwards, what PJ, Let's not talk about right? the
1: year after that. What's not? Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like, how are, like, how, how will Purdue fare when it was in losing all four of those guys? Then all of a sudden, Carson Edwards, Travion Williams, Matt Harms, uh Grady Eifert, Ryan Klein emerge as, as as you know the big the big 5 that you had to stop and you know then Carson Edwards did his thing. How how will Purdue recover, you know, without Carson Edwards and then lo and behold, you know that we go into the Travion and Jaden Ivy era and then how how will Purdue do with the loss of Jaden I mean it's just like we've heard it so many times now. Not saying there will never come a down year or two. Um it's just that you'll have to convince me otherwise you know uh going in i want to address this comment here from eric how confident are you guys that you'll go to zero in the next two and be both northwestern and wisconsin eric i think there's a realistic chance that purdue goes one and one um in in this stretch i would love to see two and oh um i think it's unlikely that purdue loses to northwestern at home um it's doesn't happen often that Purdue loses to a team twice, um, in a season. Um, I looked it up earlier this, uh, or late last week, I wish I'd remember the number off the top of my head, but it hasn't happened at times like five times or so. Um, but I think if Purdue drops the game against Northwestern, they just come out locked in and, and take the W against, against Wisconsin. Um, but I, uh, if we do win against Northwestern, that kind of lowers my, uh, hopes for Wisconsin just because uh, you tend to lose you tend to learn more from a loss than you do a win but i'll uh, i'll let these guys chime in if they have a differing opinion
1: yeah i, don't, I mean it, it's hard to be confident in a big 10 road game period and when you're playing at Wisconsin who is now up to 6th in the ap poll and they're leading the big 10 of course i think it's it's tough but i don't think i, I don't know that the game on wednesday has much of an impact on this weekend really i i don't think it, these guys are gonna have any problem getting up for for sunday because they know what's at stake now if you're talking about you know if they're gonna play at say like a maryland or at a nebraska or something a middle of the road team on sunday then i i i think it'd be a little bit harder to get that chip on your shoulder and go than would it be would be for wisconsin i think these guys are going to come out ready to play wednesday i think it's awesome that it's a wednesday game and then into a was a sunday against wisconsin right I hope it's Sunday because that gives yeah, us three and it's days: Sunday, Sunday. Thursday, Saturday to get ready for Wisconsin. So I, I don't think that there's a hangover or that there is necessarily even a um, riding a high into that game either. I think there are going to be two separate games, but I I would say maybe a sixty percent chance we go two zero is where I'd put it at.
0: Boilers by a billion. Okay, I like it, Dylan. <laughs> so this next this next uh, player gonna be an interesting one uh next up we have ethan morton who um at least up through you know the last month was one of the more polarizing players it seems at least in the Purdue twitter world people either back him wholeheartedly or they oppose him wholeheartedly uh you don't hear about it nearly as much i feel like as you as you used to Um, because he's not starting yeah that's true that's true because he's not starting that's a very good point um so looking at his numbers here, our, our fantastic sponsor, CBB Analytics, their, their website's fantastic in that it, it, it gives you the context associated with the numbers. So you can you can look at a number and you say, OK, well, you know, his Ethan Morton's three point attempt rate is 61 percent. But is that good? Is that bad? Is that high? Is that low? Well, it shows you. Um, so that's actually in the 80th percentile, uh, which is really good. His assist to turnover ratio is six That's really good. That's in the 99th percentile, and it it shows you green if it's good, and it shows you red if it's bad. And then, and I mean, looking at the numbers, uh, Russ, I see quite a bit of red here. Quite quite a bit of red.
1: Look at shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: There's, I mean, so we can, we can start at you know points per 40 minutes. Uh, he's in the first percentile. Three, three points per 40. Three point four points per one. Number one per 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, field goal attempts per 100 possessions is in the first percentile. So, um, you know, he's, he's not really looking to score. So I think, I think it's kind of unfair to look at his scoring numbers because like, I mean, there, there's been an uptick in his, his field goal attempts in the last few games, but the majority of the time it's like, he's only looking to score if it's like a late shot clock scenario. Um, I forget, I think it was against Michigan, uh, where we had the 60% three point shooting night that he hit a three. Um, he did hit that, that crazy pull up, which I didn't expect. Um, but I, you know, one thing is just, you know, looking at like, I'm trying to focus on what he's done well, right. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over one turnover per 100 possessions, which is elite, uh, 6.7 assists per 100 possessions. Again, also really, really elite, um, has a decent amount of steals, 2.7 steal percentage, which is really good in the 76th percentile. Um, he is in the, 90 he's in the 100th percentile in assist ratio, uh, which is really awesome to see. And again I will I will be the first person to point out the flaws and on off numbers but Purdue is 6.6 better 6.6 points better for 100 possessions when Ethan Morton is on the court versus when he's not. So so our, our opponents score fewer 6.6 fewer points on average per 100 possessions when he when he's on the court. Um, which is, um, you know, it's that, uh, that's, that, that's a huge benefit. So again, he's a guy who's going to get, gonna he's going to play a hundred percent. He's going to rebound. Well, he's not going to turn the ball over and he's going to play solid defense. So, you know, given that, given the fact that, you know, he's not a scorer, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it, it's hard to knock on the guy too much. Russ, what do you, what, what do you think?
1: Uh Two things I want to say on, on the numbers that you're talking about, the, the on-off and the plus-minus, I think, is something that actually gets more relevant as the season goes on. Um, it's just something I kind of thought about recently. When you think about on-off for a particular game, it, it, that really does highlight who were you on the floor with and who were you not on the floor with. But when you talk about over the course of a season, when there might have been different scenarios based off of injuries, the rotation changing, foul troubles, foul situations, I think the on-off is going to get more accurate and a, be a more useful tool as the season goes on so it is telling when you're two-thirds away through the season you look at ethan morton affecting the, the other team's scoring or your plus minus in that way i think it's pretty huge another cool stat that cbb analytics gives us is what's called the hakeem percentage which if i if i'm breaking it down correctly it's the percentage of blocks and turnovers like your your rate of turnovers and blocks when you're playing defense. And he is in the 89th percentile at 4.7%. So 4.7% of the time he's on defense, he's getting a steal or a block a game-changing defensive play.
0: Yeah, so it's basically what what percentage of that player's possessions results in a a stolen ball or a block, effectively. So it's you just add block percentage and steal percentage, and that's Hakeem percentage, which I can only imagine is named after uh, the great Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, yeah, it is. It is a cool stat. Uh, stat to look at, and yeah, he does. He does jump off the page in that that regard.
2: See, I brought the hammer out for a specific reason, and that's because I think Morton is one of the grittiest dudes that you could come up with to come out of. Pre- He's just a gritty guy. One incredibly fashionable. You look at what he wears before games. The kid wears things that I would never, ever in a million years would be able to pull off. Uh, But other than that, I think he's super gritty, which I think uh, with Purdue basketball specifically as a program is like a historically gritty program. And so uh, that's what I like most about Morton is how gritty the guy is. And
1: And he's a a Pittsburgh area sports fan, right? Those are are gritty dudes in, in general, right?
2: The Yinzers are the grittiest bunch. One,
1: one of the greatest accents
2: to ever exist in America. And two, just gritty as all hell. And so that's why I wanted to bring the hammer out because I feel like Pete's hammer represents a great amount of grittiness. And so, therefore, it's for I award uh, today's hammer award goes out to Morton.
1: There you go. Yeah, I would say, too, you know, you talked about the colors on the CBB analytics where they color code percentiles, whether they're good or bad. While the the shooting percentages and the shooting stats are very red for him, the defensive stats are, are overwhelming green for him. So I think that him being on the bench, as I said earlier, has quieted the naysayers and quieted the hate that he gets when he's starting and not impacting the game on offense. But coming off the bench and playing with guys like Heidi that are explosive, with Gillis that can shoot the lights out and is very uh, an offensive weapon coming off the bench, I think that's helped him a lot this year, be able to come on the court and just be expected to do what he is great at and not expected to carry the load by putting points on the scoreboard. So I, I would put this season on, honestly, for him, I would put this season an A- minus for him. Because it, it's hard to give somebody, I think, an A or A-plus with, with the shooting being that non-existent. But I think he deserves an A-level rating for what he does for us defensively.
0: And I thought this is one where we might disagree, but I I fully support that that opinion. Dylan, what say you? What was that? uh what do you think dylan what's your what's your opinion
1: what's your grade for morton the gritty oh
2: oh the gritty i mean grittiness you gotta give him a give him a b plus i feel like it's good grit okay if we're if we're going grit like i'm giving him an a plus uh on grittiness and coolness and swagger this is a kid say nowadays uh but play probably be a good b plus
0: yeah i um one one thing that's never in question is he's going to come out and give a hundred percent on oh, every yeah. single play. He's
2: a yinzer. What do you expect?
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I love, love love my Pittsburgh folks. I
2: was going to say, so, as a Steelers fan, you know all about he that.
0: he is a diehard Steelers fan. Him and I have have uh, have lo- uh, lamented together this season for sure. Hey, Russ,
2: how are the Cowboys?
0: <sighs> Too soon, Dylan. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs>
1: Who'd the Bengals lose to in the
0: playoffs there? Well, if we,
2: oh. Joe Burrow was still was alive. How about uh, the Steelers, If he was Steelers not injured, we would the be there sure.
0: this right now instead of the Chiefs. The, the, the Steelers lost to the Bills. Yeah, they lost to the Bills.
2: So. Bills. Also, I was hoping the yeah. Lions would make it. I love the Lions.
0: Campbells, All right, so continuing no on. Yeah, Russ, hopefully he comes My back. Rest. Continuing on alphabetically <laughs> here. This brings us to Fletcher Lawyer. Dylan, Fletcher's been awesome this season. Um, on fire just where where does he jump off the page uh in terms of in terms of numbers here interestingly uh he's in the 93rd percentile in second chance points per 100 possessions which is not something that i visually have seen or ascertained from his play so that's kind of cool don't know for us if you knew that either um he doesn't foul he averages 2.6 personal fouls per 100 possessions which is in the 92nd percentile um, 42.4% from three in the 90th percentile, 85% at the line in the 84th percentile. Um, that being said, you know, defensively, he's, he's not, um, he's not great. Um, we've seen teams look to exploit him a little bit defensively. I, I think about the Northwestern game. That was the matchup they were looking for was the kind of boo booy on Fletcher Lawyer or Fletcher Lawyer guarding boo Booy, and, you know, boo Booey just kind of had his, had his way with him. But I think we've seen that improve really since that game. We saw Nebraska try to do the same thing. We saw Illinois try to do the same thing. Um, Marcus Damask was kind of having his way with him earlier, but it, ultimately we found it didn't really matter who we put on. Marcus Damask he was just going to go off anyway. Lance Jones had trouble keeping him under control. Um, I mean, I I really think back to this Rutgers game. Rutgers is trying to run that same uh, Chicago action that I described Nebraska early and where they, you know, run a run a guy off a pin down directly into a dribble handoff lawyer was actually blowing up that handoff action really well without fouling, which I thought was really good. that impressed me quite a bit. Um, one weird thing that lawyer I and I don't know if this is schematic or if this is by design or not, but Purdue's been running a lot of Spain pick and roll which for anyone who doesn't know is a pick and roll, where you have a third player involved in the action who steps, steps up and sets a screen on the roll man's defender. So if you think about uh, Braden, Zach Eady, pick and roll, Fletcher will come up and set a back screen on Eady's defender and then usually pop out to the three-point line for an open three. A lot of times they get the ball to Fletcher on the perimeter and he's, he's pretty open. And instead of immediately letting it fire, he kind of hesitates and then throws it into Zach. And more, a lot of times we score off of it. But I would love to see him just, like, let it rip. I'd love to see him just, like, before the guy can close out, just just let it fire. Um, it's kind of my only criticism of the guy. But, Russ, what do you think?
1: Yeah, he – I hate to call him a defensive liability because he's not a defensive specialist. He's not a defensive guy. And like you said, when the teams are looking to exploit him and so he's constantly having to defend – some of these guys that are in the conversation for not just first team all big 10, but maybe first team all American first second team all American. It's going to make your defensive stats look worse. Even if you're not necessarily a bad defender, if you're not elite and you're playing an elite offense, what do they always say? Bad offense or good offense beats good defense every day, right? Great offense beats great defense every day. So when you're not the defensive specialist and they're constantly switching to get you on that dude, it's it's going to make your defensive uh, stats look worse. The, the one thing that worries me about him and, you know, maybe some of the critical Purdue fans will agree with me here, and maybe I'll get some hate for this because I do love Fletcher Lawyer. Love me some Fletcher Lawyer. But the one thing that worries me with him come March and come the end of the season is, you know, they always say shooters need to keep getting up shots, right, until they see something go in. But I I, I really don't want to see him get in a game where he goes one for 11 and we lose by, like, five points. Like, I don't I don't want to see that. that. That's what worries me with him is I know his confidence is a big thing, and I know keeping him – confident is is huge for Purdue if they want to make a run. But if it's not there, I, I want to see him kind of distribute a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. and and realize that maybe it's not his night, that we don't need to keep shooting until we see one going because the rest of this team is talented enough that they can pick him up if he's having a bad night.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. And I and I think there was a clip um in one of the Purdue creative videos, which have been awesome this season. Um, there was a clip of, I think, Painter talking to the lawyer and basically saying, like, hey, keep shooting. Like, it's going to go in. As long as you're open, like, that shot's going to go in. And uh, a certain popular um, college basketball podcast seems to have the opinion that, you know, this team is going to go as far as Fletcher Lawyer carries them. You know, and that, like, when Fletcher Lawyer plays well, Purdue plays well. When Fletcher Lawyer plays poorly, Purdue plays poorly. I don't believe that to be true. Um, you know, you look at the Illinois game, he had five points, seven points combined in the last two games, or I'm sorry, seven points in each of the last two games. Um, he did go five for five at the line against Rutgers. He hit three huge free throws there at the end of the game, but we've seen him show up in big games, you know, in Arizona, the game that I was fortunate enough to be at, you know, he had 27 points and they had three steals in a row in that game. You know, the team, Arizona was number one at the time. Like he showed up in that game. Tennessee, he also had 27. You know, it was three for 10 from three, but 10 for 11 at the line. I mean, yeah, he's kind of had an up and down season in terms of his scoring, but I think that's just going to be our backcourt. That's going to be anyone who's not Zach Eady, really. I mean, like we saw Lance Jones, you know, spoiler alert, I think he went off for what, what, four points, but he had 10 rebounds and eight assists against Rutgers. I mean, that's like. The ability of our backcourt to understand that, like, hey, it may not be my night, like the shots may not be there for me, but I can do everything else is awesome, in my opinion, because Zach's going to get his 20 to 30 a game. It's just going to happen. So, you know, in a game like Rutgers, we're only going to score 60 points. You know, there's not a whole lot of a whole lot of other opportunities to go around for other guys. You know, and Braden took up 20. So that's only 20 to distribute among another, you know, uh, another six or seven players. So, uh. You know this one's this this one for some reason this one's really difficult, Russ. I think of an actual grade, Um, but I I think I think a solid B plus is is fitting. And you, and you 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 laugh a little bit. I'm wondering if you're going to disagree here.
1: No, that's exactly where I was thinking. Like B B yeah. plus is where I'm okay. thinking because yeah, you know if true. you are going to be a a Purdue legend, you're going to go down as one of the greatest guards. One, it's difficult because you're playing with Braden Smith, who's having an excellent career at this point, but you've got to you've got to be you've got to be a good defender. He's got to get that figured out by the time he gets into his junior senior year. It's not something like I said I'm worried about right now, but if he continues to have that issue, you know, how to it'll be interesting to see how Purdue fans view him and how how college basketball whole views him because you know, a lot of people have said that they'd rather have a guard that can fill up the scoreboard and be a defensive liability over a guard that cannot score offensively but is a shutdown defender. Mm-hmm. on the perimeter,
0: yeah, you He's can't have a, it both ways,
1: yeah, yeah. so uh, it'll be interesting, but yeah I'd, I'd put him at a b b
0: plus and it's it's unfair to Fletcher because you know we are we are uh, ranking him we're we're grading him., uh, he has performed better than some guys who we've graded better. But I think for me, my expectations for him are a little bit higher. and so that's how I'm thinking about these grades is have you met the expectations or have you exceeded expectations? etc um dylan what about you
2: yeah i think b plus is a good range i think again it's one of those uh rush you took your sunglasses
1: off what are we doing God, what a
2: shame anyway
1: because it keeps not recognizing my face so <laughs> i'm getting annoyed by it i'm just taking them off
2: <laughs> you old man rant it uh no i think b plus is good um i think again it, it kind of goes to the depth of this team and and how paint kind of preaches uh to be unselfish And to, you know, spread it around. And I think, you know, he's a good example of that. So, yeah, B-plus is is solid.
0: Well, that brings us to uh, keeping. And, again, I'm just going to guys who are rotational players here. That brings us to Lance Jones. Um, And so I'll I'll start this one off with a question. Is Lance the best fifth-year senior we've ever had?
2: Just based off the Lance
1: stance,
0: yes. Yeah, you're talking I mean, so about transfers.
1: Like, you're not talking about fifth year seniors in general. You're talking about transfers like grad transfers.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's just let's just say transfers. So, just just thinking back here, we have John Octius, you know, Sterling Carter, um Evan Boudreaux, certainly in the, in the conversation for mm-hmm. best uh best transfer we've ever had. Um David Jenkins Jr., uh Johnny Hill, um we haven't had a ton, honestly. We have we haven't had a, a ton of guys transfer in. Um, you know, given given that 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 mix of guys there, is is Lance the best?
1: I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna say the best transfer we've ever had is Carl Landry, because technically he was a transfer. Technically, okay. We yeah. got a couple years out of him. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. one year transfers, I think it's hard to say that there's a guy been a, a bigger impact. And he really could be the X factor starting at the beginning of the year. I thought it was a cliche thing because you hear that all the time when you see a team like Purdue that had a really good year last year and faltered in the tournament. When you have one new guy who's in the mix, everybody's going to point him out as the X factor, right? Oh, they mm-hmm. they brought in this guy. And especially when he's in the starting lineup, it's, it's really low hanging fruit to say, oh, he's going to be the X factor. But as the season has gone on, you know, and you see his recent games where he's not just making impacts scoring the ball he's making impacts on defense stealing the ball he's going to get rebounds i really do think he could be the x factor and i really do think he is showing himself to be one of the best guys that the that painters brought in for one year to be that extra piece
0: yeah i think that um he the addition of lance has been cool and that There's no one else on the team right now who who has his skill set to the degree that he does. I think Cam Heidi could definitely be that guy um, as early as next season. Um, But, you know, his ability to to get out and transition and put pressure on the defense is something that we really haven't seen since Jaden Ivey. And for anyone who hasn't seen him play in person, you really should, because it's hard to really appreciate his speed and his athleticism until you see him play um play in person but he's really quick at at, you know getting it out in transition and and, like i said putting pressure on the defense um defensively russ uh you said you know that that this point in the season we can start to give a little bit more more merit to on off numbers purdue is actually worse defensively with him on the court this season which i find really interesting um i know that on ball defense doesn't always translate exactly but he is a he is a terrific on ball defender um there's no question about
1: that i didn't say that they were still perfect i didn't say that they were yeah i I do say that they have i think they have more merit as the season goes on definitely do i agree um and i think it almost gives more merit to guys that are role players and bench players when you're talking about somebody that's a starter like lance jones it's playing you know 20 30 minutes a game and he's playing with the starters well that also means he's playing opposite the other team's starters
0: Exactly. So
1: you're playing against strength on strength, and the chances are your defense could be a little bit worse in those situations. But I don't think it's a reflection of him. No.
0: Well, and it's you know he's he's resting while the other team is playing their second unit effectively is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, um, I agree. Um, So like where where is he performing well in terms of uh, of numbers? He's in the 98th percentile in fast break points per 100 possessions at 7.3. Again, it's like just what we were saying. 28% 28% of his points come on fast break which is in the 94th percentile. Um you know when when we recruited him over the summer like I'd heard it's like okay he's a he's a menace in transition but I didn't expect it uh to the degree. Uh he he's in the 86th percentile in the the staff that Russ introduced us to a few minutes ago in hakeem percentage again which is steal and block. Um he's in the 93rd percentile in 3 attempts per 100 possessions 13 three-point attempts per 100 possessions which should not shock anybody again a certain popular college basketball podcast the other night said that you know the fact that lance jones you know could be over four and he's still gonna shoot um you know they talked about that as being a bad thing i see that as a good thing honestly i see that like he's confident um he does he, he's good for about one bad three-point shot per game Honestly, and I feel like about half of them go in, so I'm not even going to complain about that. Really, um, it's just like there's there's I've been I, it, it's about one per game where it's just like, man, that was really deep, or like that wasn't in rhythm and that was contested. There was a shot that he took against uh, Rutgers where the, he had plenty of space and like he pump faked it, and then he waited till the defender closed out in the corner and then he shot it. Um, and I was like, what are you doing? You know, he yelled at the TV when that happened. Um, You know, he's in the 90th percentile and steals per 100 steals per 100 possessions. So, you know, really good there. Um, It's hard to it's hard to to pinpoint things that he does wrong or things that he can improve upon outside of just, you know, the occasional bad shot. Uh, Russ, am I missing anything here?
1: No, no, I don't. And I don't think that he's the guy that you're going to see go one for 11. I think that he is being a fifth year senior and smarter. He's not. You know, he takes those shots. Like you said, it's one or two a game. You know, we've had players in the past that uh, we won't name names that that continue, continue to jack it up, jack it up, off balance, and we're just like, "What are you doing? You're killing the team." He's not going to get to that point. He's not. He's a smart guy, and like I said, when he he knows he's not impacting the game scoring, he's going to impact the game by going to get rebounds, by getting steals, by assisting and setting up his teammates. Like he is very much an X factor, and. I, I hate it kind of a little bit for David Jenkins Jr. in that I mentioned it earlier this season. I think it was huge that Painter made the switch to these three true guard lineup. Like, I know that's kind of way that college basketball has been, and we've had guys in the past that you might have been able to say, hey, we are starting three guards, but this is like true a three guard lineup. And if David Jenkins Jr. got this set up last year, I, I hate to think how much better we could have looked possibly offensively, how much more efficient we could have been last year, because I do think David Jenkins Jr. is not that far behind what what the player Lance Jones is. He just was put in a completely different position and a very rough position because even last year, Painter kept saying David Jenkins Jr. plays better with Braden Smith playing the point, but he could never play the, the two-guard to Braden's point guard because – Braden, not playing thirty-five plus minutes like he's this year, he was getting spelled by David Jenkins Jr. coming in, coming in to play point guard. So, all that to say, uh, yes, Lance Jones has has been very impactful. I would give him; he might be the only A plus I would give, other than maybe one guy we might end with. But um, I, I would say A plus. I think he's been far above and beyond what we would have expected of him, even with him being in the starting lineup, even with us trusting Painter's judgment on that and going, okay, well, he knows what he's doing. I don't think there's anybody out there saying that he was going to be our third leading scorer and he was going to be making the impact that he is and be the fan favorite that he is at this point.
0: Yeah, I know when we when we brought him in and I looked at film and I, you know, looked at his numbers, I thought. He's going to be a guy who is probably going to come off the bench and is probably going to score, you know, seven, eight points a game and play, you know, 15 to 18 minutes. Um, just given his experience, just given his number, I mean he didn't shoot the ball well last season. He shot a lot of shots, but he didn't shoot the ball very well. Um, no, I didn't expect that he was going to become our third leading scorer. Um, I didn't expect that he was going to be a you know defensive must have on the floor. <laughs> um, and so you know given that my expectations were were, were high uh, and he's exceeded those by quite a bit. I mean yeah, I have to I have to agree and give him an A plus.
2: Yeah. A One thing I like about him is how much he loves being a Boilermaker. He's talked about it in post game pressers. Uh, I think the fans have embraced him. I think he's embraced the fans. You see the land stands and that went crazy viral. I just, I, I really, I, I love players that embrace the, the, being a Boilermaker, being a Purdue guy. And he's done that to the nth degree. And, um, I don't know, a guy will always win me over when they just talk about how much they love Purdue and, and they see why we love Purdue, I feel like, in a way, too. Um, that, that wins me over right away. So I like the guy, big fan. I think they should rename, I don't even know what the dance's name was to begin with, but it's now the Lance dance to me forever.
0: So. You know, I, di- I didn't realize that that dance wasn't original. Uh, no, I not. saw, I've seen two other schools do it this season, just mm-hmm. like watching a game on TV. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really. Yeah, yeah. That and, and, unless it originated with Purdue and people are just copying us. Um, Everyone wants to be Purdue.
1: I was going to say, why are you just assuming that Purdue copied yeah, other that's, teams? Yeah, like, that's good. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, well, continuing down the list here, we have Mason Gillis. Yeah. Um, hard to believe he's a senior. Uh, it feels like he's been around for longer than that. That's why I say that. <laughs> um,
2: Perry Ellis.
0: I mean, yeah. yeah. I swear he's like everyone's go-to example for like the <laughs> longest and also, also, I'm about to put Dawson Garcia in there. It Feels like he's been in college forever, and he's still he's still a junior. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. But um.
2: Well, now that yeah, you, you got no college way. football players playing nine years, so I mean, you know,
0: would you would you say rusty? I just you said no way.
1: Him? There's no way he's a junior. That's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's a junior. Yeah. I, I uh, talked about him on the huddle the other day. I'm like, God, it feels like he's been he's been around for a long time.
1: Twenty-seven year old junior. Okay.
0: Got it. Where where has Mason Gillis performed well? Uh, at least on paper. Um, I mean, 72% effective field goal percentage is in the 99th percentile. Um, 74.2% true shooting in the 99th percentile. Um, 52% from three in the 97th percentile. Um, You know, He doesn't commit a lot of fouls, only 3.8 fouls per 100 possessions. 1.82 assist to turnover ratio. It's in the 95th percentile. Uh, I mean... I think everyone here is familiar with Mason Gillis and his, his tenacity and the fact that he's going to give 110% every time he's on the floor, the guy rebounds like a menace. I mean, he, he, he like rebounds harder than any player I can remember with the exception of Caleb Swanigan. like he, you, you are going to have to physically harm him to, to get a rebound away from him. Like that's, that's, that's how it goes. Um, you know he's in the 91st percentile in assists per 100 possessions, which is honestly something that surprises me. Um, I don't think of him as an assist machine, but it just could be. You know, from the the limited minutes we've seen this season. Again, he's another guy who started you know 30ish games in his career, coming off the bench this season. Um, but uh, Mason Gillis is is one of my favorite players. Um, will go down as one of my favorite players ever. He's just a guy who. You know, knows his role, plays as hard as he can, and is just gritty and tenacious. Uh, Russ, what's your take?
1: Yeah, so I don't know odds that well. I'm not a big better, but if you parlayed Mason Gillis leading us in three point percentage this year, and also Waddell having more dunks than him, I I imagine you're probably a millionaire at this point. That's that's nuts. I mean, Gillis was always smooth. Obviously, he set the Mackey record in three points made last year so you could maybe halfway have expected him to to lead us in three point percentage just because he's not a volume three-point shooter he shoots shots that he knows are open and high percentage Uh, but yeah it's it's been very impressive to see him evolve and really like you said know your role it's it's one of those guys that as Izzo talked about last year that's just amazing that Painter does this he gets guys to buy into their role he started a lot of games for us And now he's coming off the bench and kind of driving the scoring off the bench. And he is thriving in that role. He, you know, he uh, he might be an A plus two at this point. I don't know the more I talk about him, the more I think about the impact he's had, he has just not really made a lot of mistakes and he has made a lot of timely shots and timely plays for us.
0: Yeah. And I think that's one thing we saw last season is that his, his shooting went down, his shooting numbers went down. Um, he was still a decent shooter, but, you know, he wasn't shooting 52%. And one thing I love about Gillis is that when he gets hot, uh, and I guess this is more of a compliment to Painter as well, Painter has started to run things for him. And since he's been so hot lately, we've been seeing a lot of um, a lot of double drag screens or what's sometimes what's called 77 action uh, by some older folks, but... It's basically just a, a pick-and-roll with two screens, and you typically one big will roll to the basket and the other will pop to the perimeter. Um, so we've been running a lot of that with him. We're kind of running this cool horns twist roll-and-replace action with him where you kind of get the defense in a bind where they're having to guard Edie Roll into the rim and Gillis going from the paint to the perimeter at the same time, which can cause some confusion. And he's just reliable on that shot. Like You get him open, here's a pretty good chance he's going to knock it down uh painter ran a really cool uh baseline out of bounds play for him nice little like little twirl twist action to get him coming off of a screen in the corner it was actually a bad shot they they defended it well but he still knocked it down with the guy right in his face um you know his defensive numbers russ purdue is 10 or nine and a half points better uh, on defense per 100 possessions when he's on the court versus off the court which is really really cool um you know, I if there's one. It's thing- also
1: amazing because on CBB Analytics, everything on his defensive stats is red. <laughs>
0: I, I, I if if you uh, if you and I can figure out how to quantify a uh, player's impact on defense, uh, we, we we can both retire early, Russ. That's a. Absolutely. Him, uh, yeah. <laughs> but,
2: uh, Russ is pretty close to retirement. So that, you
0: know. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> ah. But he's uh, I mean, it, yeah, I've I've never thought of him as a defensive menace. One thing I will say, he's a great low man. Um he's a really good, he's really good at, at tagging and closing out um, you know, when he's put in that kind of low man role. And he he has been throughout his entire career, even going back to his freshman season. Um Man, like I don't want to sound like I'm just like I got, I got, I, I have to give him an A. Like, I have right. to give him an A, you know. We're,
1: no, we're the number two team in the nation. There's going to be a lot of good grades. You know, there's <laughs> not going to be a lot to pick. Yeah. Back. Breaking it just news. Like, Purdue is good.
0: Yeah. I, but I have, I have, I have to give him an A. And it's interesting because the numbers don't seem to, to show this, but I felt like he has turned the ball over at a higher clip than what the numbers show. Um, It just, there's a lot of times where I can think of like several instances of him just like whipping it into the post super fast and like it goes through Edie's hands or like goes over his head. We saw in the Rutgers game, he traveled, he just like got the ball and then just like walked with the ball, which I mean, I understand you're tired, you're fatigued, you're out there playing, that's fine. But that was going to be my only criticism of him, Um, but the numbers don't really show that actually um, at all. Our turnover percentage goes up 1.6% when he's on the court versus off, so I mean it's that's uh my 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 opinion is uh, is different than what the what the numbers actually show. So Russ, what's your grade?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm I'm going to say A+. Plus. I kind of was yeah. leaning that way and you look at the improvement he's made this year and the way he's embraced his role. I can't I can't be upset with anything he's done this year. You know, he's gone up what 16-17% on a 3 point percentage. Yeah. Um gone up 10%. From field goal percentage, like it, it's just it's crazy to see a guy. It almost reminds me of like a uh, the year Travion had come off the bench a lot after after having been a starter, you know, after an all American year, all American recognition comes off the bench and actually was probably a better impact for our team and a, um, a better piece for us, and that's what Gillis has done this year.
0: Dylan,
2: yeah, no, I think A plus is good. He's embraced his role really well. He's always been like one of my favorites i always liked his personality i like uh how he how he he's pretty stone cold a lot of a lot of fan bases a lot of student sections around the country have chanted some really shitty things some dumb things but he blocks it out nails it gets it done and shows them up and so uh that's one of my favorite things about about mace is uh blocks out the noise gets the job done and uh quiets the haters as the
0: kids say yeah it 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 fascinates me that um We have NBA players who are having fans ejected from the game for saying they need to get on a treadmill. Yeah, And yet I've heard way worse things said to players at college basketball
2: games. It's terrible, man. The um, things that these – I get, like, student sections wanting to do what they can to get in the opposing players' heads. But there's there's a line, and it's been done, man. Figure something new. I don't even know. Like, once it's been done by two or three schools, maybe it's time to throw it away. You know, try again. Go back to the drawing board.
0: Yeah, agreed.
2: Oh, my God. Look who's here. Celebrity. A celebrity sighting here for Border Express podcast. The Big Ten Huddle. JR, the most handsome man in sports. JR from the Big Ten Huddle, ladies and gentlemen.
0: JR says, gentlemen, so glad you're back. We're glad you're here, JR. And we are are happy to be back.
2: Hey, JR, we're pretty excited about things and stuff.
0: Just saying, we're excited about things and stuff. We're excited to be back. can yeah.
2: can't see, but I'm winking.
0: Um, well, I I think you know I Russ. I think it's fair to to probably skip Miles Colvin, given we haven't seen a ton from him yet this season. And any numbers we could talk about are going to be skewed and inflated by the fact that he has seen so little little time on the floor. Is that does that seem fair to you? Hundred percent. Okay. Um. That moves us to Trey Kaufman-Wren. I love uh, it. We're, okay. we're doing Trey oh.
1: Kaufman-Wren just in time for JR joining us, who's who's show, thrown a little shade Trey oh. Kaufman-Wren's way. So I'm, I'm excited. Wow, JR. Is to, well, right? to maybe to hear this.
0: Maybe we'll come to the conclusion that it's warranted and justified. Who knows? Who, kn- who knows where this is going to go? So Trey Kaufman-Wren, I mean, he was the guy that we heard – a lot about in the offseason there's a lot of offseason hype that like trey kaufman wren's gonna break out this season and i'm gonna pause one second and dylan i want you to see uh the comment here from jr
2: jr i love it he says dylan you got me beat i could never have the beard you do listen i've i it's you know never mind i could give you the history of my beard but no one gives a shit jr thank you i love you very much you are the man the myth the legend i appreciate it
0: he is he truly is
2: he's like his show's so well done i need average oh about tkr TKR, yeah he's
0: a
1: hater man he's a hater yeah so
0: so yeah yeah let's start with that let's start with that being like the baseline the assumption the null hypothesis if you will and let's 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 find evidence to uh to overturn that um TKR had a lot of hype coming in this offseason. There was a lot of a lot of speculation that he was going to have a breakout season. You know, he was going to be a, a 14, 15 point per game guy. And I am still in the school of thought that he he has that potential and he can be. He just shares the floor with with Zach Eady the majority of the time. And just like Braden Smith and just like Fletcher Lawyer and just like Lance Jones, who we've all seen have flashes of offensive greatness. We've seen the same from TKR, maybe to a lesser degree with a lower frequency. Um, but I will say one thing that's really impressed me this season is he has hit some extremely timely threes. Um it was in one of the Maui games. I think it was against Marquette, right? Like it was like two minutes, no one scored. Like Edie was struggling to get, get the ball, and just like they they find TKR on the perimeter and just like switch, goes right through. And like that just kind of opened up. The uh the scoring, and Jr says, "Oh well, he's above average, but it's not been his best lately." That I that I agree with. He, he's he struggled a bit lately. There is a um, fantastic discussion in the Facebook group Boiler Diehards this week about him. You know, he only had two rebounds. That was the only stats he lost against Rutgers. What's he doing on the floor? I think that's dumb, but uh, it's definitely been a topic of conversation. Um, he I also mean, had 40, two blocks. Easy. He also had he two did have two blocks. 30, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so he's a he's a great rebounder. He's a great individual rebounder. That's one thing that jumps off the page in terms of his numbers. And the 91st percentile and offensive rebounding percentage um, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. 73rd percentile and turnover percentage. Um, you know, the rest of his numbers are fairly average. We, we should say three-point percentage is 44%. Again, that's on low volume. Um, he hasn't shoot, shot a ton of those. 1.3 assists to turnover, which is in the 83rd percentile. Um, he draws a lot of fouls. He's in the seventy fourth percentile and personal fouls drawn. Um, you know, scoring he he believe he's a very confident guy. Um, if you listen to him talk, he believes that one on one he can score on anybody. Um, we haven't necessarily seen that yet. Um, but I think you know I, I did watch all of his games this summer, and without Edie, he kind of took over the game. He looked to be the number one scoring option. and I'll be really curious to see you know how he continues to develop because I do think the potential is there I saw him play in high school and he was just absolutely dominant um you know the the the, the potential is is definitely there for him I'm just he just has yet to um to fully materialize uh Russ Purdue is 12.7 points per 100 possessions worse defensively with him on the court that's actually in the fourth percentile um, of Impacts you can have defensively just to, to give you the on off number there. Um, Russ, what do you, what, what's your opinion on TKR? this season? like I said, I
1: never liked on off numbers, you know, never liked them, <laughs> not a fan of them, <laughs> but uh, no, he, he is it's hard to look at a guy and go, well, he didn't score any points, so he's not having an impact. Oh, he's obviously in a low, you know, a bad streak because he's you know, averaging three points a game over the last six games or whatever. But he is in a position where he's not, like you said, when you're not one of the top two options in the painter offense, you're not going to have anything drawn up for you. And when you're not a guard in a painter offense and you're not having anything drawn up for you, you're not touching the ball a lot. It's hard to have a huge impact score in the basketball. So he is a guy that when he's got his opportunity, when ED gets in foul trouble or when he was hurt last year and, and TKR got the start, He has shown himself to be, like you said, the guy that you can run the offense through. And I think next year he is one of the top two options on this team. And you see a lot of people eat a lot of crow for what they're saying about him right now and what they've said about him this year. He is highly talented. Like I said before, he came out of high school. He was invited to the U19 team, the Team USA U19 team, but he got hurt and didn't make it to the camp, didn't make it to the team, and redshirted that year. And so he's only a sophomore. And he's been playing behind the best player in the country for his freshman and sophomore year. And we have seen when he gets the ball and, and they run the offense through him, he is, he is all Big Ten and I would say borderline All-American consideration and could be next year. So I am, I am not down on him. I'm not upset with his lack of production uh, as far as putting the ball through the hoop. But, you know, there's only one ball at the time that can go through one hoop at a time. And you've got eight guys in rotation, and when you're talking about two guys, three guys dominating 75, 80 percent of those looks, you're not gonna. There's not gonna be a lot left for a guy like TKR. So I, I wouldn't, mean, I, mean, I wouldn't give him more than like a B plus and A minus just because he doesn't have the volume offensively. But I don't sleep on him. Do not sleep or, or sleep on him. Do do actually. We'll yeah, see what happens.
0: I invite that. And I, I think one of the best glimpses we saw of what he can do is that stretch in the Illinois game um where Edie got into foul trouble and we had to play i think like nine minutes without without zach he he took over that game i mean in in, in that time period i think he was the ken Palm mvp of that game yeah 26 um sorry 23 points seven for 11 from the floor so you know and that was against a guy who a lot of big 10 fans uh think should be defensive player of the year and coleman hawkins too so i mean that like again you know when when that was one of the few times against top tier, a top tier team where Edie was out of the game for a stretch and he, he, he embraced that role and took over. So, um, you know, that was his only really kind of breakout moment so far this season, but um, yeah, like, like you said, continue to sleep on him and, uh, and see how that goes. Um, you know, I think my final stance is going to be a solid, a solid B, um, purely because the preseason expectations were so high and he he has progressed in a way that would not have surprised me if we didn't have such high preseason expectations and we didn't hear so much hype about him and we, he was just a guy who was on the roster continuing over from last season. Um and so he's kind of just progressed naturally and so he he would have an A without these preseason expectations.
1: So okay so let me let me ask you this then what were those expectations Qu- quantify those expectations what, what would you have liked to see his impact be
0: yeah I would have I would have liked to have seen um, I would have liked to have seen let's say let's break it down to a per game stat. if he if he was averaging 12 to 15 points per game I mean and he was shooting at the same the same clip from three but on higher volume I would, so, I would but who's he take points from
1: then? Who's he take points from? Because he's he's our fifth scoring option. You know, he's fifth in average scoring six point six a game. But you know, he's not gonna be you wouldn't expect him to be ahead of Edie, Braden, or Lawyer. And Lance Jones has been a revelation. Yeah. Well, I think and so he's I think, next after those guys. Like, I don't, you know, we're, we're, how much higher do you expect him to be?
0: When I when I revert back to my preseason mind, I think about Lance Jones being like a, a peripheral kind of role player and TKR taking those those points is 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 what we were kind of primed for as fans from from people within the program, from people who were going to practices and whatnot, um, from what we saw over the summer. I mean, we didn't see Lance Jones do what he's doing now over the summer in the in the Europe games. We saw TKR just take over the game and play bully ball. So I think that you know, and again, these grades are unfair because I'm comparing my own personal expectations to what's actually happened. And I just over the summer, I figured from what I saw from Lance Jones that uh, he was going to be a, a role player and TKR would be more of a focal point. And we've seen just kind of a flip flop there.
1: See, that's that's where I go back to what I, I said earlier, that I, when you talk about a team that doesn't draw stuff up, if you're not a top two option and he's not a guard and he's playing the majority of his minutes on the floor with Zach Eady. How is he going to get those points? How How is he supposed to Agreed. be a top three or four option? Because they're not going to throw it into him. They're going to post up Edie and throw it into him. They're not going to have him do all the ball screens with Braden. They're going to have Edie do those ball screens with Braden. So it, you know, for him to get those, I mean, what was his second chance points? Because I know his offensive rebounding percentage was pretty elite. Um, I believe offensive rebounds per game. He's 75, 75th percentile. It's 1.8, but we talk about getting a couple offensive rebounds a game. That's that's a pretty big Pretty big impact. Um, let's see here. Offensive rebounding percentage. Yeah, 13.2. That's 91st percentile. So basically the way he's trying to get his points is by going and getting the ball off of somebody else's miss. You know, that's what we talked about before. That's the the turnovers hurt us so bad because sometimes our best offense is a missed field goal. Or a better offense is missed field goal than, than a turnover, obviously. Yeah,
0: I mean, Purdue's, Purdue's rebounding, I think, like 38% of their missed shots. You know so knowing that there's a better than one out of three chance that if you miss a shot, you're going to rebound it. If you turn the ball over, you're not even giving yourself an opportunity there. So, um, agree with that completely. But I I don't know what's what's your grade, Russ. I, I, I'm sticking with mine. you know, just
1: out of spite, I'm going up to a minus just out of spite okay. because, because yeah. if, if you asked me to rank our scoring options, he he might at best have been sixth going into this year. You know, I don't think I'd have put him ahead of any of those three guards or Edie, and I might have even put Gillis. And just just at a craziness, I might even put like a guy like a Colvin or a Heidi above him, knowing that he's going to always play with Edie. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm not I'm not upset with him at all. I'm actually impressed with what we've seen. Now, yeah, his effective field goal percentage in the last five games—that's one thing CBB can show you—has been has been pretty poor. Right, thirty-eight point nine percent is a seventh percentile. When on the season, he's averaging fifty-five point two, which is Uh, 60th percentile so you know he has had a a bad stretch the last few games but I as far as the season goes I'm I'm very happy with what he's given us and you know we've seen luckily what it looks like if ED has some foul trouble or ED is out of the game against an elite opponent TKR can carry that load so just like I said earlier with first I'm not upset or not worried if he has to carry the load in the tournament I think he's going to be able to do the job and do it well.
0: Well, with that, we move on to a player who probably needs no introduction, um, and it, it probably won't shock many people to find that he is. Uh, there's a lot of green when you look at his name, but we're gonna gonna move on to Zach Eady here. Um, I Russ, I think it's just interesting to point out the the stats in which he exists in the one hundredth percentile because there are several. Um, you know, points per forty minutes at thirty-one. Um, that's in the 100th percentile. Free throw attempts per 100 possessions. He's in the 100th percentile there. 19.8. Personal fouls drawn per 100 possessions. He's in the 100th percentile there. 16.6. And points per 100 possessions. 44.8. That's in the 100th 100th percentile also. And then paint points. 29.6 points in the paint per 100. I mean that he's that he's literally top in the country in all of those categories which is crazy to think about um you know one thing that jumps out to me as, as a bit of a surprise is he's in the 79th percentile in assist percentage which just isn't really something that i um i would have expected to see i would have i would have put him kind of middle of the pack but again that's why cbb analytics is such a great tool because it shows how that compares to every player in the country right here on the screen so you don't just have to look at this number in a vacuum um what do you think, Russ? What, what, what do you think about Edie you know, this season and how he's lived up to expectations? Or has could
1: that, that assist percentage number and that percentile, could that also be a reflection of the game just changing? You know, We've talked about Illinois being a pretty isocentric team, but there's a lot of isocentric teams out there. You know, There's a lot of teams out there that do, don't have great assist rates as a team. So if you're talking about getting a couple assists a game, when there's teams out there that average single-digit assists in a game, you're going you're gonna to be a decent percentile. But uh, one thing that kind of sticks out that, that people could try to point out and say is negative because they just want to look at quantities and per games and go, man, he turns the ball over 2.1 times a game. That's his seventh percentile. That's terrible. Well, there's a lot of stats that uh, when I look at CBB analytics, I look at a stat and I go, okay, well, let me go look at another stat to really put that in context. So turnovers per game, 2.1, seventh percentile. So I go, okay, well, let's go up to turnover percentage per game. Oh, 11.3%, 79th percentile. So because of his usage rate, his turnover percentile, the percent of times that he turns over when he touches the ball, is actually still pretty good. It's not elite. It's not 99th percentile. But he touches the ball a lot, so he's going to have a greater chance for turnovers, but he still turns over the ball at a very low percentage compared to the rest of the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, his turnover percentage is in the 79th percentile, um, 11.3%. And, and, and Russ here, you're, you're absolutely right in that per game statistics can be very misleading for that reason. Um, of course, a guy who touches the ball a lot more has more opportunities to turn the ball over. Um, so two turnovers per game for a guy who plays five minutes a game is really bad. Two turnovers a game for a guy who plays 30 minutes a game. Um, I mean, obviously you want zero turnovers. That's unrealistic, though, but it, it's not nearly as bad. Um, so, you know, it's. You, you made a good point during the Purdue Rutgers game this past weekend when they were saying, well, Rutgers has eight offensive rebounds compared to Purdue's three. Well, it's like, well, Purdue had made a lot more shots. So there's like a lot fewer opportunities for us. So like it just individual numbers are are a void of a lot of context for that reason. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to look at, you know, his hockey percentage uh, as, as we've defined tonight is in the 88th percentile. You know, I, I guess maybe Purdue has been has been spoiled. Um, you know, his his block percentage alone is in the ninety-third percentile, but I don't consider him to be an elite shot blocker. And maybe that's just because we've had guys like AJ Hammonds, guys like Matt Harms, who are in the the elite of the elite level. Um, I consider him to be a good shot blocker, but again, the numbers, the numbers here don't uh, are show that he's actually a very good shot blocker. Was that, was that, did that surprise you at all, Russ?
1: No, because, you know, blocks are not a common thing in this game. You know, guys aren't wanting to foul. They guys aren't wanting to foul out. And, you know, when you get two or three blocks a game, you're going to be pretty high up there percentage wise. So, you know, I, I think the King percentage, it didn't really even fare because he's in the sixth percentile in steals per game. So, yep. You know, to try to bring in steals to the equation, it, it kind of just lowers his numbers. But, you know, he's a guy that he is very smart defensively. That's something he talked about last year as well. That that's I think a big change in his game was learning not how to how to not foul. Right? Painter talks about when he came in to Purdue, he couldn't stop elbowing dudes in the head. He couldn't he couldn't stay on the floor because he couldn't stop fouling. You know, this year especially, and last year even. He he doesn't play aggressively on defense, so that's where maybe you could be surprised that he has the number of blocks that he has, but he he is very smart about when he goes for the block, and he, a lot of it's on help defense. He, he doesn't – when he's post-defense one-on-one, he is hands up, trying not to get in foul trouble, and the fact that he's just a massive human being makes it hard to score on him one-on-one. So, yeah, I, I it can be surprising, but I think to me it's not because, like I said, it's kind of like the assist percentage or assist numbers. If you have two or three assists a game, you're going to be elite nationally because it's just not a common statistic. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's interesting that a lot of his blocks, most of his blocks come from behind as well. Um, I can think about a play in this past game against Rutgers where um, I forget the name of the player who it was, but um, tried to isolate Edie. Like got got Edie to switch on to him, and he and he called everyone off, and and t- tried to take him straight to the basket. And Edie like looked like purposely let him go by him, and he went for the guy went for the layup, and he just smacked it like into the fifth row. Um, and I th- I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, uh, I think it was a sophomore the guy who who tried to drive in on him, but um, you know, most of his blocks come from behind, and that's why you know people who complain, oh, well, he you know he he commits more foul. He he really doesn't. Um, there's a lot of times where I wish he'd actually get a little bit more aggressive on defense, but he he just puts his hands up, he jumps straight up, and he just creates a barrier. And if you're gonna score over that, then so be it. Um, that kind of seems to be the way he plays he plays defense. But yeah, I think
1: I've talked about that on uh when I go on the Big Ten Huddle and talk to other people about Edie, is that people love to celebrate and almost kind of laugh and be like, oh man, they scored on the seven-footer when they do like some kind of wraparound reverse layup right. or something. And it's like Well, yeah, because he doesn't play aggressively. He doesn't try he he doesn't want to get in foul trouble. He knows that just making the shot difficult is a better defensive play than putting you to the foul line and giving you two free shots at a point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's you can't have one without the other. You can't sit there and say he never fouls, but then be like, oh, oh, he got scored on. Wow, is he not a great defender or what? Like, can't have both ways.
0: Yeah, his his defense is purely just I'm gonna make the highest target for you to shoot over possible. And if you make it Fine, uh, I'll just go go dunk on you uh, at the other end of the court. But um, yeah, I mean, with, with all that said, I mean it's it it's looking more and more likely that he will win National Player of the Year again. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to give him anything other than an A plus. Russ, um, maybe you have a differing opinion, but what's what do you think?
1: No, no, I definitely I think it's A plus all the way. Go get that National Player of the Year again, Big Maple
0: yeah i think that it's uh it's pretty much inevitable at this point that he'll uh he'll, he'll take that down i mean it's crazy i think he scored 2000 points like i've been at multiple games where players get their like 1000th point and a lot of those came during their senior year and he's he's doubled up on that and i think back and i'm like when did he score 2000 points like it's just it's well, crazy
1: considering that he only played half the games his freshman and sophomore year yeah right? cuz that aver- was he, did- he averaged less than 20 minutes a game for the first two years and he still hit 2000 points
0: that was the big thing going into to last season. Uh, a lot of criticism was okay. Trevion Williams is gone. Can Zach Edie play more than 15 minutes a game? That was what everyone was saying. And uh, he, he came in and said, yes, I can. And I can put up the same per possession numbers that I was doing when I played 15 <laughs> minutes per game, uh, which uh, just blew my mind. And yeah, he continues to blow my mind. And I love, I love this kind of swagger that he's developed that he, that he plays with. Um, we saw several times with, uh, you know, Cliff Amore, who I have a ton of respect for, is a fantastic player, was um, kind of getting to his face after he scored on him, you know, and, and, you know, it was like, and one, and Edie just smiled, and just like nodded and just smiled. And it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> and just like he's, uh, he's kind of that, like, speak softly and carry a big say. We have seen him get a little, get a little chippy at times, but I, I love this confidence and this, uh, this swagger that he plays with. It's pretty fun to watch. Um, he's, uh, he, he doesn't seem to let, uh, the hate uh get to him. He's definitely the most hated player in college basketball. It seems like a, like like it's amazing to hear other fan bases cheer when they win the opening tip. I mean, it's crazy. It's like you think they just like had a crazy lob dunk when they win the opening tip against <laughs> Zach. It's um, but in or in it, you're not you're not at that point unless you're doing something right. It's just like you said at the in the uh, the post IU game interview. It's like they hate me because I'm good. And it's like well, I'm glad you see it that way because it's the it's the honest truth, but well, with that, um, uh, Russ. Yeah, uh, so
1: we definitely had a lot of um, pent-up energy and uh, thoughts without uh, recording for a few weeks now, so we apologize for the long hour and a half. Maybe we'll break this up on Spotify or something and and give it to you in, in the digestible segments. But uh, the one thing I want to kind of end on here is, and we, we don't even get into football. We're just talking about basketball, but what what your views are kind of on the season, um, I'd say on the program as a whole, but really just on the season. And and one thing that I would say is, I know it's a very cliche th- cliche thing to say, and I've heard it a lot, especially even beginning of the season, when I'm like, we're three, four games in, and you're already saying things like this. Like, give it, give it half the season before you say something like this. But I think that we have a different attitude. You kind of mentioned that a little bit with Edie's attitude there. I think that we are ex- exhibiting a little bit more of a championship attitude of a – you know, we uh, have a chip on our shoulder. We're here for a mission and things aren't going to phase us the way they might've phased us in the, in the past. You know, like I talked about how the players wear loss more than we do. I don't know if that's the case with like the Northwestern or the Nebraska game. I don't like, I think the players obviously wanted to win those games. I'm not saying that they don't take that loss hard, but I don't think it's one of those losses where in the past they might've freaked out and go, we need to fix this. Or we need to do that. It is a different team with a different attitude this year. And I'm not necessarily saying that the, the results can be different March because it's, it's hard to win in March. It is, it's hard. you got to have a lot of things go your way, but this team is not the same team. And this attitude is not the same attitude around this team this year.
0: Yeah. I mean, in terms of where we are, you know, on on the season and and as a program that that there is a difference. Um, There's a difference in poise for sure. Um, You know, I honestly think that this Rutgers game with, you know, Purdue getting an early lead and them, Playing super physical and, and clawing their way back into it—that's a game that I think last season we probably lose. Um, I think that a lot of the guys didn't have the same level of poise that they're showing right now. Um, you know, they've 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 been through the gauntlet. They've they've experienced the most embarrassing thing that can happen in college basketball, right—to to lose to a sixteen as a as a one seed. Um, you know, last year, like. Last year we had a really good team, but you could see some glaring holes in the team, and like shooting was one of them. Like there were more often than not, it was like, man, we were you know five for twenty-two from three tonight, and like Painter would say, like we're a much better team than 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 what what we've shown. Um, you know, we but we just gotta we just gotta keep going out there and do it. But like it just things weren't matching up, and we we couldn't handle physical defenses as well. Um, I think we were hoping and kind of relying on games being officiated a certain way and there, there were some teams in, in the field last season that really terrified me for potential matchups. Uh, one, one was not fairly Dickinson, but um, you know, Yukon was scary. Texas was there. There were a lot of scary teams that I thought could be bad matchups, but um, you know, th- there are a few teams that scare me in terms of potential bad matchups, but you know, I think that, that this team has just has a lot more poise. Um, they are playing a lot more connected um, we're hitting open shots, uh, which is, which is what you need to balance, um, the interior presence that we have, you know, last season, if Purdue wasn't hitting threes, you could double triple Zach the entire game. And, and, you know, that's we, we, we saw it. We saw it. that's how we lost to Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, but I think that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and predict a, a deep March run or anything. I'm just too scared to do that. But I think that, that the maturity level is much higher on this team, uh, than we saw last season. You know, after the Northwestern game, I I watched the player interviews and I expected to see a lot of anger uh, and frustration and everyone just seemed like even keeled. And I was shocked by that. Typically, Edie's pretty mad. He's pretty like irritated after losses. And he was just like, I'm just ready to play another game. Like he didn't seem phased by it. Um, And I think you just understand that like Purdue didn't do a ton wrong in that game. I mean, yeah, they had, what, 15 turnovers. But like, again, that game went into overtime, four were in overtime. Um, so you take those away. It's not not a terrible game, but like Northwestern just hit a bunch of really good, really tough shots and Purdue missed some some open shots. And same thing at Nebraska. Like there's no recipe for beating Purdue other than just hit a lot of really tough shots. And uh, I just think that that our playing style yields a lot less variance than it did last season, both offensively and defensively. And I like I like how I I, I feel good about this season's team.
1: Yeah, I won't predict a deep March run either, but I will say that I, I pity whatever team we do play in the first round because I felt like last year, even watching the game, the attitude was kind of like, well, a lot of one seeds have had close calls with 16 seeds where maybe at halftime the game's tight and even maybe late in the game the game's tight, but then the one seed pulls away and maybe gets like a 10, 12, 15-point victory. And that, It kind of felt like that's what was going to happen, that they weren't really yep. even taking it fully seriously. I don't think that happens yeah. this year, and I wonder if Painter even calls the dogs off against whoever we play as a 16 seed or 15 or whatever we end up as. But I, I think it could be a game where we put up over 100 and we, we show up with a very business like attitude, like we're not taking whoever we play, wherever we play, lightly this year. Like we are going to research the crap out of it. We're going to play smart, and we're not going to take any possession for granted in
0: March. Period. Agreed. Yeah, like I said, having uh, having experienced the uh, the heartbreak and the embarrassment that comes with that. I mean, Russ, what's what's the first thing someone says when you get into an argument with someone from another fan base on Twitter? Yeah, what's what's no, yeah, talk yet. to me in March. Yeah, talk to me in March. Talk what, to me in March. Yeah. What, yeah, what did
1: you You're gonna yeah. lose this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So but speaking um, of uh, bad teams, I don't know. We've already gone almost an hour and forty minutes. I don't know if we have enough time to talk about how bad Ohio State is. So uh, Jr. will have to maybe do that another time, but. Uh, he did. did did chime in here. It says, "I can't believe how bad Ohio State is." LOL looks like the worst team in the Big Ten the last few games. that. I did yeah. see
0: that they they lost. Would uh, they, they play Illinois tonight? Is that right? Uh, I mean, keeping track of so many games, I, I honestly forget. Um, but it kind of, uh, it kind, it kind of got away from. It. But you know, I'm watching that game against Northwestern. I just felt like Northwestern hit a bunch of really tough shots and. I don't know. Northwestern looks like a totally different team at home. So I uh yeah, yeah, they did lose to Ohio State. 87 to 75. Um
1: the, They lost to uh, they lost to themselves. They're so bad. They lost to Ohio State.
0: Uh Ohio State <laughs> lost to Illinois tonight. Sorry. getting my, yeah. get my words mixed up. No,
1: you're good. You're good. Hey, we're we've gone late. We've gone late. have I mean, Yeah. I
0: don't
1: yeah. think a 12 point loss, uh, even it is even though it is at home, a 12 point loss to a team that in Illinois that could make a Final four run. I don't think that's the worst performance they've had this year. But uh, yeah, you don't want to see a double G loss at home.
0: Ooh. Sonny, sunny from the top ropes. Uh Sonny <laughs> from a line I cast chimed in and, and uh said, Hi JR. Hope your evening went well. Uh and JR says, Y'all can talk about good teams so much. hard to talk about the bad teams too. Yeah, I mean, uh we uh, uh, there, we've we've uh we've We've covered some of the teams we play we've covered uh, the the Jacksonville Dolphins right that was that was a fun one to cover in, in preview yeah
1: yeah w- one cool thing that came from you know our time at Big banter and, and even continued due to the huddle is you start to look at a lot of the teams and you look at a lot of things that other programs go through and it makes you put a lot of things in perspective you know even the week that we lost to Nebraska you talk about the top 10 had like nine losses that week. The yeah. top 10 in the ap so we weren't even the only one that week let alone to ever happen so um i do appreciate that i appreciate what you do over there at the big 10 huddle jr and uh bringing up ohio state to say hey look you know <laughs> it could be way worse
0: yeah they definitely could
1: but uh, you With, got anything uh else Russ,
0: there, go ahead no i say we go ahead and wrap it we've uh we've kept everyone for for an hour and 40 minutes maybe maybe this does become two episodes or maybe we just put a warning at the beginning but um
1: Thank yeah, you all for yeah. tuning
0: in. It's been a while, like like Russ said, uh, we've all been dealing with uh, with with some change and some uh, some things uh, going on internally that we're we're still uh, still sorting out and working through. But all good things good good things are gonna gonna come. Stay tuned uh, for some some announcements here in the big in the near future. Um, going to be some some really exciting things happening under the hood right now. Um, but yeah, one more uh, one more shout out to uh, Martin Vintage has been an awesome sponsor for us. Again, use code BXP for ten percent off at checkout. Huge shout out to CB anal- CBB Analytics. Without uh, I mean, without them, this episode would not have been possible, uh, or it would have been a lot harder. Let's say. Um, uh, and Cincy Blissboards has been awesome. They've done some really cool designs for us. Definitely check them out. Um, it's a really fun game. Something you're definitely going to want to want to check out. And they can do some really awesome custom designs. Uh, Russ, unless there's anything else, they can uh, end it with a boiler up.
1: Yeah. Well, also check out the hockey show tomorrow night. Yes. Uh, I don't yes. know if it will come out tomorrow night, but we'll have that interview. And then uh, this Sunday, I'll be going on the Big Ten show with uh, our guy, Sonny, who's in the comments there, to talk about the state of Purdue sports. And so if you have any thoughts and you want to at Boiler Express or at BXP underscore Russ, give me your thoughts on on how you feel about Purdue sports, how you feel about the basketball program and how you feel about going into March, how you feel about what Walters did in his first year. Uh, you know, give me your thoughts and let me know how you feel. But that's all I got.
0: All right. right, Well, Boiler up. Thanks, everyone.
1: Yes, sir. Boiler up. Oh dang.